Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We are going to discuss the three. Wait, we are going to discuss the the three omnis episode. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. We're going to break down the episode so you can help people who've been hurt by this topic. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and I'm here with Pastor Joel. Hello. How was it, Pastor Joel? How was the episode? That was great. This is an area um, you and I have a lot of experience in. So it was fun to talk about it and to to talk about it in a way and in a fashion and on a platform where we're going to be able to not just talk about it between you and me, but but help other people with this information too. Yeah, we've learned a lot of this through experience, haven't we? Yeah, we sure have. Of, a, of- a lot of these doc, deep doctrinal conversations with religious leaders and having to learn what the right answer is to these things or what the wrong answer is to these things as an effect of maybe not handling it perfect. Yeah. So we jumped in with the episode just right off the bat. It was, this is awesome because you talked about thousands of years ago, philosophers and men came up with the explanation for God's nature. That was omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. And this is something that men very, uh, by, by the day's standards, very smart men right. came up with it. But why did the church take that on? Yeah. The, uh, because it was still a better explanation than what the church had. So it's, it was just literally, okay, here's the best explanation that other men did this work yeah. that weren't believers. And what did they just not back in the day, did philosophers just not make the conclusion that God didn't exist or did they make that conclusion back then? Like, yeah, what? like that was the point. And, and where, so where wow. these definitions start, this wasn't a group of guys sitting around studying the Bible to mm. try to determine who is God. It was a group of guys, philosophers sitting around trying to philosophize about the world, including does God exist? Does he not? If there mm. was a God, what would he be? Oh, it's like, it is. It's like, okay, let's create yeah. the ultimate being. Right. So that's where it starts. What mm. would the ultimate being be? And it starts from man's understanding with man's goal of what man thinks <laughs> the ultimate being would be. And this is, this is what man in his flesh wants to be. I want to know everything. Yep. I want to be able to do anything. And yep. I want to be everywhere. Wow. And if I was those things, I'd be God. So that must be how to explain who God is. But these philosophers weren't trying to understand the God of the Bible. They were trying to just, if anything, they're trying to, to come up with what would a God or the God be like if there was one. And in large part, this whole conversation started in a way, and or at least at the very least resulted in these same philosophers having the information they thought they needed to disprove the existence of God. So let's create this definition and then use that definition to prove, well, God doesn't even exist. Wow. So uh, I know that you've been to seminary and there's a lot 
of talk about the omnis in seminary. There's a lot of philosophical elements with my understanding of what you did in, in seminary and, and learning about the Bible. So how did that, how did that impact you in seminary? Were the omnis talked about? Was that something that was approached? Was that something that was held up as God's, God's nature? Like, I'd love to hear your, your personal input, PJ, on it, the topic of the omnis. Yeah, it they were taught. And I remember them mm. being very directly taught in my master's program and in, in my theological seminary of like, holy cow, like these are high 500, 600 level courses. And one of the things that was alarming, even at the time, I had the right understanding of who God, God's nature was. So when I went into these classes, I was pretty alarmed at what was being taught with the Omnis. And especially when all of a sudden, one of, one of these theologians who's teaching the course I was in presented what is known as the fourth Omni. Mm. I'm like, oh, wait. So there's, there's four Omnis now. It's add an Omni. Three. Add an Omni, yeah. <laughs> And what's interesting is it actually connects to our previous episode. Nice. So we have, because we have, so yes, the omnis have been expressed as this is how we explain who God is. But how do we account for God also being explained as God is love? Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? Let's just add an extra omni. So God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and omni benevolent hmm. that's the word they use to say god is also all loving so what this does is one it proves again that this is a man-made model for who god is and it proves that the model is contradictory because the way models work is if you have a model that is non-contradictory it's what we call tight it's a tight model and what that means is if you put, or if you throw more information at it, it actually proves itself out more and becomes more tight. Awesome. A loose model or a contradictory model or a model that doesn't account for the foundation of whatever the concept is you're modeling out is one that if you throw information at it, you have to make exceptions and you have to account for these other concepts that haven't been accounted for so that's what's happening here with you have these three omnis they don't account well and it's 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 interesting because these theologians who come with come up with this they must have a conversation and they they must be saying well this the three omnis don't account for god's love though so that proves that the three omnis is flawed because you have to add one into it in order to mm. account for this other concept mm -hmm. as far as who God is. But it also proves that defining God as God is love is flawed because you could just as much ask somebody who says God is love. Well, what about, what about the three omnis? How does that fit? <laughs> so that was, that was one of the most alarming things that happened to me in seminary was this, the presentation of the fourth omni was like, Oh man, nobody's seeing how, this doesn't actually make the explanation better. This makes it more contradictory. This proves that the explanation's wrong. 
<laughs> did you ever tell any of your professors that? Did you ever like write anything or or do anything like that to show them this is contradictory? Oh yeah, I did I a lot. <laughs> oh really? Oh yeah. Um I but I would do it honestly, I I I was treating my professors, I think the way we treat Pastor Tater, we do so with respect. We're not we're not going at him trying to prove him wrong. Right. We're just trying to understand him and yep. we're trying to present ourselves in a way where he can understand us. So lo and behold, what's, what happens is you have, I'm in a theolo- theology course. Right. And the assignment is write a research paper on the providence of God. Well, <laughs> so whether I want to or not, I have to address what's being taught by these professors. The providence and of God, meaning, sorry, the providence of the God providence meaning. of God, meaning how he rules over everything. What, Got it. like how, what, what is the abilities and the power he has over the dominion of what he's created? Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks. And it is, so it's basically, you know, a lot of the providence of God would be in, in the church today, you would say a lot of it is comes down to this argument between the Calvinistic or deterministic perspective. Sure. And then the Arminianist or the free will perspective. That's kind of like the, the two sides of this providence argument. Okay. Well, when I write the article or when I write my research paper, I presented instead of arguing for which one of these sides of the coin, which really, if you look at it, one is a strict perspective and one is a loose perspective. Perfect. Yep. I wrote what we would say is the conjunctive answer or the ultimate answer. And my article was, so I wasn't directly addressing some of the things my professors were teaching, but I was definitely indirectly doing it because every time you present this, the truth, the conjunctive answer, you are at the very least indirectly addressing the perspectives that are either on the loose or the strict side of the argument. Nice. So I would, I called that third the conjunctive answer, I called it the non-contradictory providence. Nice. Instead of instead of name, I just I just named it according to the principle that I believed needs to be guiding whatever our beliefs our beliefs, especially about God, ought to be non-contradictory. So, yeah, and that's that's absolutely how Jesus was interacting with the Pharisees. Oh yeah, where they right? where they have they have contradictions, and he's asking them a question to like what you said, throwing information at the model. Like, I love that. Like take information and throw it at the model and see if it, see if it gets tighter or looser. Right. So Jesus is doing that with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are doing that with Jesus. That was very much, you know, that's how arguments were made. Well, how do you address this? Well, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with that? And if there's any contradiction that's exposed, you got to throw it out. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that goes back to then the humility episode where, well, what if what's exposed is my model is loose and my model's flawed and contradictory. Do I see that as a good thing? Mm. Like, thank you, Pastor Jonathan, for showing me hooray. the contradictions. Yeah. Hooray. I'm, hooray, wrong, I'm again. wrong again. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, I should be thinking, or do I, or do I get upset and do I storm off? And do I act like the Pharisees? Yeah. That's what was really cool about Richard Tater's call. So Pastor Dick calls and he drops a bomb 
and covers both sides. Yeah, you did. You know, that God is all, you know, all powerful. And it's pointless to explain how this happens because it's beyond your understanding. Boom, right. I'm covered. Yeah, and it, I mean, and that was great because, you know, he, he flushed out this idea that really man created the definition of God that is man's goal for himself. Yep. And he also, he also brought up this other concept of sovereignty, which is something we're going to get in in the next episode. So he also is kind of, he's setting us up to like, oh, great. Thanks. Thanks, Pastor Tater, for helping us out with where we need to keep going to keep addressing these different man-made damaging concepts that are, that are infiltrating the church. So PJ, when, when you showed us both of these sides of the argument, we, we always go into the explanation of the categories and how the church has responded to this topic. Can you go through them again for our music of life church family? We know in this podcast, we just directly talk about how we see it as relation to the person's self-esteem. And we even address that in, in part in the What the Flock episode as it related to that second category. But, you know, these people we feel sorry for, these are the low self-esteem. We feel sorry for people who have low self-esteem. The reason we categorize them as low self-esteem is because that helps us understand where they're at as far as their thought process. And these people don't have a great understanding of who they are. They don't know how to live out that person. They don't feel great about the person God created them to be. And it, that may be, and, and probably is due to having contradictory understanding about who God is and about uniqueness and all that stuff. So why would we judge these people as bad people or as dumb or anything like that? They're just, they have wrong information. They don't feel good about themselves. We feel bad. We're not judging them as bad people, we feel bad for these people because, well, partly because we've been there. I know what it's like to have flawed beliefs about who God is. I know what it's like to feel like garbage about myself. I know what it's like to be depressed. I don't look down on those people. I actually feel bad for them, especially because we have the answers that would help them and they could live a life that would actually be filled with joy but it does cause them to push through some of the discomfort that takes to get to that answer. Yeah. And that's where the mid self-esteem people come in is these people are on the path to pushing through the discomfort in order to get the right answers. And the first step there is recognizing I don't deserve the abuse from the church I'm experiencing. Even though I maybe don't feel amazing about who I am, I feel good enough about who I am to know I don't deserve that. And these contradictory beliefs, as much as these people that we understand may very much love God and very much love the church, they know it's not for their benefit to be in there anymore. Mm. And that's unfortunate, but I understand why a person leaves church. Yep. Thank you. And I understand it really well because our ministries are you know, revolve around this idea of helping people who've been hurt by church. Yep, absolutely. And then the people we're impressed with, these are high self-esteem people. They understand who they are. They understand who God is without contradiction. And, you know, in the, on this progression of the discomfort, these people 
are willing to deal with the discomfort of pushing through a contradiction mm-hmm. of seeking out the truth, regardless of what's being told to them in the church. There, there is, there is a lot of, there is a lot of discomfort that comes with truth, but the high self-esteem people are the reason we look up to them is because they, these are people that they'll believe something no one else does. Mm. If it's truth. Yeah. If it's without contradiction and they won't be swayed by a group of people who say, no, this is what the church has always taught. Who are you to believe anything different? How many years of school have you gone to? You know, these people are, well, I know God doesn't contradict himself. So I know he doesn't want his leaders in churches teaching contradictory information. That's a tough position to be, to be in. Yeah. And so that brought us to the ultimate answer, which on this podcast, we call the conjunctive. Right. Freedom, freedom with one limitation. Yeah. And that's really with the omnis. It's just the, the omnis are an effect of God's nature. So the limitation is God's nature, uh-huh. which we'll get to that. That's still in front of us. We still have some other topics to unpack before we can really get to what that answer is. Because uh, there's been a lot of damage in this area. And also the journey we're on here too is, is helping people. We're, we're trying to help people in areas they've been hurt by church. Right. The point of these podcasts aren't to just teach a bunch of doctrine as a cause. We are teaching, but it's an effect of addressing these topics that need to be handled well. And if we just went in feet first into a podcast explaining what God's nature is, we'd be bypassing all these other areas that the church has been damaged in. Either that or the God's nature podcast would be like two and a half hours long for us to be able to pack in everything that needs to be taught. So I love the journey we're on because I think we're seeing what we're seeing here is more and more with the more and more we talk about love and God is love and the omnis and where we're going in the future, we're going to see the importance of defining this according to what God says to be true. Thank you so much, Pastor Joel. That's, that's amazing. I'm really excited about the journey that we're on. And uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening. This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions or comments or you'd like to hear a certain topic, please let us know. We'll see you next time.